Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. Today I want to talk about Isaiah 21 and um, Daniel 8, Daniel 9, Daniel 11. I want to talk about Iran and what's happening over there and what happened to Iraq, Syria, Turkey, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, and Oman. What's going to happen in prophecy with all of these nations? And who are they in prophecy? In the Bible, what, uh, what countries are identified? Does it have anything to do with Greece? How about Rome? You know, all along we have thought that the ten nations that make up Europe, actually there were twelve, now there's eleven, I think, uh, were the ten toes of the, um, the book of Daniel. Now I'm not so sure. I don't really believe so anymore. I think it's going to be made up of parts of Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, and all those other countries I just mentioned. And in addition to that, maybe Azerbaijan and part of Kazakhstan and maybe even Turkmenistan. So anyway, let's get into this. Let's start in uh, chapter 21 of Isaiah. This message came to me Concerning Babylon, the desert by the sea. Wait a minute. Hang on a second. Where in this earth is there a desert by the sea? Well, that would be in Saudi, Saudi Arabia, Medina, Mecca, Jeddah. Um, all of that is in the desert. It's in the An-Nafud Desert. By the sea, which sea? The Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden and the Arabian Sea and the Persian Gulf. He says, disaster is roaring down on you from the desert like a whirlwind sweeping from the Negev. I see a terrifying vision. I see the betrayer betraying, the destroyer destroying, he says, go ahead, you Elamites and Medes, attack and lay siege. Now, who are the Elamites and who are the Medes? According to my best sources, it's in Iran. The Elamites settled in Iran and so did the Medes. So the Medes and Persians come from Iran, in, in my view, my understanding of this. He says, I will make an end to all the groaning Babylon caused. My stomach aches and burns with pain. Sharp pangs of anguish are upon me like those of a woman in labor. I grow faint when I hear what God is planning. That doesn't sound very, very uplifting right there. I'm too afraid to look. That's what he says. My mind reels to and fro, in other words, and my heart races. I long for evening to come, but now I am terrified of the dark. Look, 
they're preparing a great feast. And we can talk about that. But they are spreading rugs. Rugs for people to sit on. Uh, everyone is eating and drinking. But quick, grab your shields and prepare for battle. You are being attacked. Meanwhile, the Lord said to me, Put a watchman on the city wall. Let him shout out what he sees. Should He should look for chariots drawn by pairs of horses, for riders on donkeys and camels. Let them... Let the watchman be fully alert. Then the watchman called out, Day after day I have stood on the watchtower, my lord. Night after night I have remained at my post. Now at last, look, here comes a man in a chariot with a pair of horses. Then the watchman said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Where have we heard that before? Um, I'd say Revelation. Chapter 18, after, and this is uh, verse 1, Revelation. After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright with his splendor. He gave a mighty shout, Babylon is fallen, that great city is fallen. She has become the home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture and every foul and dreadful animal. For all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. Unquote. Now back to Isaiah 21. All the idols of Babylon lie broken on the ground. My people threshed and winnowed. I have told you everything the Lord of heaven's armies has said, everything the God of Israel has told me. And then he goes on and talks about Edom and then Arabia. Excuse me, Arabia. Here's what he says about Arabia. This message came to me concerning Arabia. O caravans from Dedan, excuse me, O caravans from Dedan, Hide in the deserts of Arabia, O people of Tima, or Timon. Bring water to these thirsty people, food to these weary refugees. They have fled from the sword, from the drawn sword, and from the bent bow, and the terrors of battle. The Lord said to me, Within a year, counting each day, all the glory of Kedar will come to an end. Only a few of its courageous archers will survive. I, the Lord, the God of Israel, have spoken. That's pretty dire sounding to me. Now let's go to the book of Daniel. We'll see how that compares with Isaiah. Daniel 8. You'll remember in Daniel 2, we saw the um, big statue with the head of gold that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream. And he had the head of gold, the, uh, the chest of silver, the belly of uh, brass, 
and uh, or bronze and the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay and a big rock fell out of the sky hit the thing on the feet and it fell and crushed it into pieces so that not a piece of it was found anymore in verse 44 of chapter 2 he says during the reigns of those kings that's of the ten toes the god of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and will it will stand forever. The meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron and bronze and clay and silver and gold, the great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true, and its meaning is certain. Now, that doesn't really give us a lot of detail. Not like chapter 8 and chapter 11 and 12, uh, which we'll maybe get to. Here's chapter 8, verse 1. During the third year of King Belteshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, saw another vision following the one that had already appeared to me. In this vision, I was at the fortress of Susa. Now, if I understand my geography properly, Susa is on the east side of the Ulai River, separating Iran from Iraq. It's in the province of Elam, standing beside the Ulai River. That's where he was. He was in the fortress of Susa. He says, As I looked up, I saw a ram with two long horns standing beside the river. One of the horns was larger and longer than the other, even though it had grown later than the other one. That's a mystery. The ram butted everything out of his way to the west and to the north and to the south. And no one could stand against him or help his victims. He did as he pleased, and he became very great. Verse 5. While I was watching, suddenly a male goat appeared from the west. Crossing the land so swiftly, he didn't even touch the ground. Now, right here, let me just interject something. Most prophecy teachers believe and teach that this was Alexander the Great, and they think that he had the, the kingdom that got divided up into four pieces. I'm thinking, no, no, not, not so much anymore. After researching a little bit of his life, he was the third Alexander and the 23rd uh, king of Greece. So this doesn't seem to fit quite right. This goat, which had one very large horn between its eyes, headed toward the two-horned ram. Now, the two-horned ram, remember, is Iran, the way I understand it. He was rushing at him in a rage. The goat charged furiously at the ram and struck him, breaking off both of his horns. Now, the horns were probably representing... Um, religious leaders, or kings, or ayatollahs. 
Now the ram was helpless, and the goat knocked him down and trampled him. No one could rescue the ram from the goat's power. The goat became very powerful, but at the height of his power, the large horn was broken off. Again, a large horn usually represents a king. So I understand. In the, horn, in, in the large horn's place grew four prominent horns pointing in four directions of the earth. Well, you know, King Ali, or King uh, Alexander the Great's kingdom was originally divided up into about 13 different divisions, not four. And then it regrouped again and became about, oh, I don't know, eight or ten of them together, regrouped yet again and became just two. So read your history and prove me right or wrong on this. Then from one of the prominent horns came a small horn whose power grew very great. It extended toward the south, that would be towards Saudi Arabia and Yemen and Oman and the United Arab Emirates and so on, and extended toward the east and toward the glorious land of Israel. Wow, that would be going in a westerly direction. Its power reached the heavens where it attacked the heavenly army. Whoa, throwing some of the heavenly beings and some of the stars to the ground and trampling them. Well, now these can be angels. Stars can be representative of angels. Even It even challenged the commander of heaven's armies. That would be Jesus. By canceling the daily sacrifices offered to him and by destroying his temple. So this great horn uh, goat was... Uh, able to destroy the temple in Jerusalem. Wow. And to stop the daily sacrifices. That will prove significant. The army of heaven was restrained from responding to this rebellion. So the daily sacrifice was halted and truth was overthrown. In the King James it says... The truth was thrown to the ground. The horn did exceedingly well in everything it did. Then I heard two holy ones talking to each other. One of them asked, How long will the rebellion that causes desecration stop those daily sacrifices? So apparently in the end times, those are going to be going on again. How long will the temple and heaven's armies be trampled on? And the other one replied, It will take 2,300 evenings and mornings. Then the temple will be made right again. As I, Daniel, was trying to understand the meaning of this vision, someone who looked like a man stood in front of me, and I heard a human voice calling out from the Uli River, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of his vision. As Gabriel approached the place where I was standing, I became so terrified I fell with my face to the ground. Son of man, he said, you must understand that the events you have seen in your vision relate to 
the time of the end. While he was speaking, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground, but Gabriel roused me with a touch and helped me to my feet. Then he said, I am here to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. So the time of wrath is the time of the end. What you have seen pertains to the very end of time. The two-horned ram represents the kings of Media and Persia. So the ram and the goat are different. Iran is Media and Persia. And they're the eastern kings. The shaggy male goat represents the king of Greece. Now, there's an asterisk here in my Bible. And in Hebrew, the word uh, translated in English as Greece is Javon. Or in Hebrew, it's pronounced Yevon. And the large horn between his eyes represents the first king of the Yevon empire. The four prominent horns that replaced the one large horn show that the Yevon or Yevon empire will break into four kingdoms, but none as great as the first. At the end of their rule, when their sin is at its height, a fierce king, a master of intrigue, will rise to power. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. Now, what does that mean to you? Well, it means to me that he will be a master builder of an empire, and he will put that empire together, not from his own power, but from the conglomeration of all the powers. It's an alliance. He will cause a shocking amount of destruction and succeed in everything he does. He will destroy powerful leaders and devastate the holy people. That would be Israel. He will be a master of deception and will become arrogant. He will destroy many without warning. He will even take on the prince of princes in battle. Now, I believe that is talking about Jesus when he returns. But he will be broken, not by human power. This vision about the 2300 evenings and mornings is true. But none of these things will happen for a long time, so keep this vision secret. Now, how can you print out a paper document and have it remain secret? I mean, we've got copies of it. I've got several copies of the Bible myself. And here's the document. How can you keep it secret? Well, it's by the wording and people not knowing who's who in the zoo, so to speak. And so we're trying to figure this out. Verse 27, Daniel 8. Then I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for several days. Afterward, I got up, performed my duties for the king, but I was greatly troubled by the vision and could not understand it. Even Daniel couldn't understand it. I guess we better go to uh, Daniel 11 here. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now then, I will reveal the truth to you. Three more Persian kings will reign. I think we're about to find out what Iran's role in prophecy really is. 
So three more Persian kings will reign to be succeeded by a fourth. Now in Iran, the Ayatollah is the king over there. The Islamic Caliphate is the leader of the religious sects. So problem is that we're going to see this one, the one now is the second one, the second Ayatollah. It'll, he'll be replaced by a third, and that one will be replaced by yet a fourth, and that's the one they're talking about. He will be far richer than the others. He will use his wealth to stir up everyone to fight against the kingdom of Ivan, or Javan, if you speak it in English. Then a mighty king will rise to power, who will rule with great authority and accomplish everything he sets out to do. But at the height of his power, his kingdom will be broken apart and divided into four parts. So this is not Alexander III that we're talking about. This is uh, for the later days. This is for the end times. This is what it's talking about. Alexander lived hundreds of years ago. It will not be ruled by the king's descendants, nor will the kingdom hold the authority it once had, for his empire will be uprooted and given to others. The king of the south will increase in power. Now, the king of the south, in my opinion, is the king of Saudi Arabia. But one of his own officials will become more powerful than he and rule his kingdom with great strength. Some years later, an alliance will be formed between the king of the north and the king of the south. Now, to me, the king of the north is not Russia. It's Turkey, because it is north of Syria, Iraq, Iran, uh, well, parts of it, and um, Saudi Arabia, of course, and Jordan and, and Israel. So the alliance will be formed between the king of the north and the king of the south. To me, that's between Turkey and Iran, or Turkey, Iran, and Saudi Arabia. We're not really sure yet, but it, we're getting there. The daughter of the king of the south will be given in marriage to the king of the north to secure the alliance, but she will lose her influence over him and so will her father. She will be abandoned along with her supporters. But when one of her relatives becomes king of the south, he will raise up an army and enter the fortress of the king of the north and defeat him. Erdogan is right now the king of Turkey. He's a despot like Hitler. But he wants to unite all the Arab countries together in one caliphate with him at the head of it. So I hear tell. When he returns to Egypt, he will carry back their idols with him. Now that would imply that the king of the south may well be part of Egypt or part of what Egypt once ruled, which is the northwest corner of Saudi Arabia. He will carry back their idols along with him and along with priceless artifacts of gold and silver. For some years afterward, he will leave the king of the north alone. Later, the king of the north 
will invade the realm of the king of the south, but will soon return to his own land. Here, the sons of the king of the north will assemble a mighty army that will advance like a flood and carry the battle as far as the enemy's fortress. Now, I'm not sure what that would really mean. It could be Riyadh or Medina or Mecca. I'm not sure. Then, in a rage, the king of the south will rally against the vast forces assembled by the king of the north and will defeat them. See how detailed this is? It's much more detailed than what we saw in Daniel 2. After the enemy is swept away, the king of the south will be filled with pride and will execute many thousands of his enemies. But his success will be short-lived. A few years later, the king of the north will return with a fully equipped army, far greater than before. At that time, there will be a general uprising against them. They will join with them in fulfillment of this vision. Violent men among your own people. Now keep in mind that Daniel was in exile in Babylon. He was a Jew, but he was in exile. So they may be rising up while still exiled there. I don't know. But they will not succeed. Then the king of the north will come and lay siege to a fortified city and capture it. The best troops of the south will not be able to stand in the face of the onslaught. The king of the north will march onward unopposed. None will be able to stop him. He will pause in the glorious land of Israel, intent on destroying it. Now, here's a comparison between verse uh, 6 through 7. And here it repeats kind of again. He will make plans to come with the might of his entire army and will form an alliance with the king of the south. He will give him a daughter in marriage, just like it says in verse 6. In order to overthrow the kingdom from within but his plan will fail. After this, he will turn his attention to the coastland and conquer many cities. But a commander from another land will put an end to his insolence and cause him to retreat in shame. He will take refuge in his own fortresses, but will stumble and fall and be seen no more. His successor will send out a tax collector to maintain the royal splendor, but after a brief Rain, he will die, though not in anger or in battle. He probably will die of a heart attack. Well, anyway, I'm going to stop right there. You can read the rest of Daniel 11 from verse 21 on and see if you can get a handle on who these people are and the plot that thickens as we go along here. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thank you for tuning in today. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com, and I don't have anything for sale there. It's all for building faith in people. I want you to trust in God because he is our deliverer, and we need him so very desperately. As time goes on and persecution against the church carries on and gets bigger and bigger, 
we're going to need all the security and help we can get. And that's where we go to get it, in his scriptures. Till next time, have a great day.